It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome to our latest podcast. I'm Chloe and it's great to have you out there listening. In today's episode, we're looking at huge e-commerce growth, but we're looking at it from a different angle to normal. Normally, we talk about it about how you create that growth. Today, we're going to be talking about how you make it possible to deal with and make the most of that growth when it happens. Plus, there's a couple of tips around Google page speed or page speed improvements too. So keep listening. Before we get into the interview, though, please do check out the sponsors. This episode is brought to you by SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. Shipping and mailing from your desk has never been simpler than with SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. With SendPro Online, it's just click, send and save for as low as $4.99. That's $4.99 a month. Try it free for 30 days and get a free £10 scale when you visit pb.com forward slash masterplan. That's pb.com slash masterplan. FreeUp makes hiring online simpler for e-commerce businesses. They pre-vet thousands of virtual assistants and freelancers every week and then give you immediate access to the top 1% of applicants. Check out why 10,000 plus businesses have already signed up for FreeUp. Receive a $50 credit when you sign up today at freeup.com forward slash e-commerce master plan. And there's three E's in FreeUp. So it's freeup.com forward slash e-commerce master plan. And now to introduce today's special guest. Daniel Narsman is the global head of IT development at Daniel Wellington, a Swedish watch and luxury brand who were the fastest growing company in Europe in 2017 and have a three-year growth rate of over 4,500%. Yes, four whole digits there in that percentage number. Um, Hello, Daniel. Hello, Chloe. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be part of this podcast. I, me too. And I'm, I'm excited to focus in on the world of IT and the back end of growth rather than just the how you make the growth happen. I think this is going to be a really interesting one for everyone listening. But before we get into that, how did you get into this wonderful world of e-commerce? All right. Yes. Um, so, I mean, it depends a little bit where you want to start a story, I suppose. But um, it's, um, I started working for an e-commerce company back in 1998, I think it was. It was an extra job outside of my studies. Uh, it was a um, toy store. <laughs> it's going to take over the world. Uh, they almost did, actually. It went really well until it didn't go so well anymore. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? Two, 2000 is the, yeah, and it is this magic 2000 year when things started breaking down a bit. Uh, they didn't survive that, unfortunately. Um, fast forwarding uh, almost a decade, actually, um, to 2011, I joined a company called Ad Nature, uh, which is um, sports and, uh, well, extreme sports and, and clothing and outdoor gear kind of company selling that in, in Sweden. And um, it was a really amazing place. It was like a garage feeling, you know, it's just the startup, everybody's working on everything. Uh, when 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 the warehouse needed a bit of help, then you you shut down your computer. You went and started packing things. We also did everything ourselves when it comes to our IT systems. It wasn't really that much to buy, I think, in the 2000s there. So we built everything ourselves, uh, which was was really really amazing. So we built like everything from logistics to payment to um, CMS, the website, 
you know, it's, it was absolutely crazy. I, I wouldn't advise, advise anyone to do that, but we did and it was really fun. A great way to learn how it all needs to work, but best avoided. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I think so. I think so. It depends what your goal is, of course. And, and actually, funnily enough, um, when I joined Danny Wellington in 2017, uh, it's, it's a bit of a similar story uh, in that um, a lot of the systems we, we use and what we build is in-house, uh, which is kind of what attracted me to the company to begin with. But looking at the scale of nature versus Danny Wellington, it, it's, a, it's a very different kind of company and, and uh, challenge. So let's let's kind of tick the boxes on Daniel Wellington. Then let's get into to how you've managed that growth. So where in the world are you, and where are you selling to? Yeah, I mean everywhere and everywhere. Basically, um, we have offices in every single continent. Um, we have offices in so many different countries. Uh, we have strongholds or headquarters in five different regions of the world, uh, which then drive like the sales in that that region. Uh, and we sell to almost every country in the world, to be honest. There are some, some white spots, I think, in, in, um, in Africa, perhaps, and something in South America. But overall, we sell to the entire world in many different channels. Nice and easy and simple, then. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but the, the, the headquarters is in, in uh, Sweden, Stockholm. Uh, and um, the entire company was founded uh, just outside of Stockholm in a city called Uppsala in Sweden back in 2011. So that's kind of where we come from. Um, what is the product? Because I mentioned it's Swedish watch and luxury brands. So what are the, the what are the types of products you're selling the most of? Uh, so, I mean, the, the core product and the, the original product, the one that made us so successful is our watch. Um, and the watch in combination with the colorful wristband that you could uh, change. So um, the original thing was you could buy like two watches, three wristbands, and you can change them in different ways. And you can have a very different look depending on what you wanted to wear. And the, the fu- fundamental idea of that watch itself, um, inspiration at least, and where the name comes from, is uh, from our founder, Philip, traveling around backpacking Australia, meeting a gentleman uh, who was wearing a Rolex watch with a nut or strap, which very colorful. And, and that traveler's name was Daniel Wellington. That's kind of where the story begins in a way. Uh, so what we took from there was the simplicity and elegance of, of the design of the watch combined with something where you can express yourself. Very cool. And is is Daniel Wellington part of the company or is it just he was the inspiration? He's just inspiration. As far as I'm aware, at least, there's no Daniel Wellington in the company. There are not many Daniels and one of them, <laughs> but I, I, I'm not him, at least. <laughs> Very cool. And with all those offices, there may well be one out there somewhere. And you mentioned you've built a lot of the tech internally. Does that include the e-commerce platform itself or are you using a, a front end that's more standard now so we we uh, been using for many many years magento as our, our e-commerce platform um and that that worked fine as long as we had a few channels to sell through um but since a couple of years back we started uh, building our own system so we have a completely custom uh, front end uh, which we built from scratch up and then we have different backend systems to connect to depending on what we're trying to do with it because uh, it's very different markets in different parts of the world. In some cases, you link into marketplaces. Sometimes you go to our own systems, Magento, et cetera, et cetera. Got you. Okay. So there's still some, some Magento in there, but nine, the great majority of what you're doing is your own. Yeah, you could say so. I mean, and, and e-commerce is um, currently Magento is a little bit a part of that, uh, which we are um, slowly uh, building away uh, because we, can, we think we can build better solutions ourselves. But then we have a lot of tools we build, which are not e-commerce itself. I mean, we have B2B tools. We, we have uh, 
marketing tools, <laughs> which I'm sure we're going to get back to, uh, where we interact with social media, for example. And a lot of those tools we have built ourselves as well from, from scratch up and some tools we actually use external. Wow. So that, I suppose that's one of the, one of the great things about being in a business that's growing fast and has some scale to it is you have the, the resource to be able to create the perfect system rather than making do with a couple of, of different ones. Yeah, kind of. And, and I think it's a little bit of a, of a happy circle, like reinforcing there because the, the success of the growth is what enabled us to building and buying the solutions we needed to support that growth. Now, that growth was so much faster than anyone could have anticipated, uh, including us. So it's been a constant uh, battle to, to make sure our systems can actually handle the amount of load and traffic we, we uh, get at times. Uh, and, and since the company is so successful, we've been able to really commit to it and build that. And, and that comes into to the other part of it, which my responsibility is a part of the list, is the organization behind that. So, I mean, I'm responsible for the IT development organization, which is part of our technology division. And we are globally 200 people working in, in, in IT and technology um, at like a brand retail company, which is not a very common thing. <laughs> No, I think most I think most people's listening and most retailers' IT departments are unlikely to have quite that many people. Yeah, it's usually the single 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 day digits. Uh, you can use one hand to count the amount of people in most of these kind of companies. Uh, but we look at it differently. We look at it uh, in the way that what can set you can set you out to be unique. You know, when you interact with your customers and being able to to use any kind of interaction in any kind of sales channel you can imagine and marketing channel. And being able to control that is not something most companies can do. Uh, if you buy, if you buy like a, a solution that exists already, you're so locked into what their customer base uh, wants, which not not necessarily what you want. And and I mean there there are advantages to it, of course, because anything company like that develops, you get for free, you know, because you're customer to them. Uh, but we decided to build it ourselves to be able to make sure that there will be no limits to what we can do if we decide to do it. And that's kind of fundamental principle of the way we design system. So it's all about the customer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, our primary goal uh, that we can repeat at least, if not every day, at least weekly, is uh, customer centricity. I mean, everything we do should connect back to the customer. Now, we shouldn't go too deep into to the IT development part of it. I know that's not your, your primary uh, <laughs> customer group, but we invest a lot in building our development teams in a way so they directly face-to-face interact with our marketing and brand and, and, and uh, executives and coordinators and e-commerce content generators, anything like that. So there's like a one-to-one relationship between those development teams and uh, the people using the tools to build or representing the customer. So that, that's why we have so many people. That's why we invested so much in it. To make sure the integration with the rest of the business is there. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. I mean, uh, I think one clue of this and... and uh, and one reason I think if, if you're a company right now where you, you're growing really quickly and you think you maybe should buy, build or buy <laughs> an IT division to take care of some of these things, to make sure we can scale and keep customizing, uh, look at the complexity first. Because in our case, we do this because we are trying to sell in 100 countries ourselves by controlling every single channel. I mean... You know, with 30 different markets, we have our own retail distribution online that we control 100% basically. Uh, and to do that, we, we, we built everything in the cloud in AWS and we connect everything up there so we can keep it safe, like customer data. 
It's a very important part. And we can really, really build something that, that can scale over time in so many different countries. But if you only have one market, probably don't build an IT department of 200 people. I don't think it will give you what you think it will. <laughs> yes, probably. I guess guess that's the thing, isn't it? There's There's problems and there's solutions. And there's no point in building the solution if you don't actually have the problem. So for Daniel Wellington... Obviously, there was that huge. That's been that huge growth spurt. What four thousand five hundred percent over the last three years? Did the building the systems to scale come before or after the growth spurt happen? Chicken or egg question. <laughs> well, in the early cases, definitely after. I mean. It's one of those things, you know, uh, I think when you start growing an e-commerce company and it's an amazing thing where you suddenly hit your capacity, right? You're selling as much as you can. I mean, the limit is you can't deliver more. (laughs) You can't interact with more customers. You can't ship out more units, et cetera. And that's what we hit. And we hit that quite early. Uh, And we we identified that because when we started out, we we outsourced everything and we had one single channel, which was the e-commerce. Uh, and we identified very early on that we could never keep growing at the current rate if we keep kept outsourcing it. So that's that's what we decided pretty early on, like 2013, 2014, perhaps, that we wanted to take it in-house because that was a limiter. Um, and and that's that's so that's what the, the first case was like we we could not deliver as many watches as people were were requesting. Uh, so that's why we designed the systems to be able to handle that. So it was, it was very much a case of we've got this problem, let's find out where the weak point is. <laughs> yes. And the weak point is the fact we've outsourced this part of the puzzle, so we have to bring it in-house. Because that's, that's a huge decision to make. Uh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I mean the investment uh, that Philip Brown has made into building the systems in his company itself. I mean, we are 2,000 employees now for a like, company founded just, just uh, eight years ago in, in a small city in, in Sweden. That's an insane investment. It's a very brave investment. Like, uh, it's, it's an investment for the future, but it, it's a crazy complex thing to do as well. Well, because I, I know a lot of people will be thinking, oh my God, to build your own e-commerce system, that's nuts. That's crazy. That must be so difficult. But but actually, I'm thinking, yes, that is quite difficult. But the the humans side of it, expanding the number of people in the business across that many territories, that is a is a huge risk factor as well. Absolutely. I mean, we, we just, just by decentralizing where you run your company and the focus on the regions, becoming local to, to, to a certain region like, like, like APAC or, or EMEA or something, or Europe, it's a huge risk and it's, it's very complex to do that. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about complexity in systems mostly, but the complexity in organization and communication, just culture. I mean, we are highly... Uh, highly cultural companies, and it's very important for us the kind of brand image we portray is something we live even internally in the company. Um, and how do you maintain that when you have 20 different offices um, and very different like uh, channels out there? It, it, it's a re- really an amazing thing to do. I don't, I don't think you could grow like that if you didn't have a strong brand and culture. But then there's also the challenge of maintaining it as each new person comes on board, which um, which is a whole whole other world of complexity. <laughs> Absolutely, and I mean, it, there's nothing can replace hard work in that and, and leadership. You need to set your leadership culture. You need to find the right people to drive this because you can't be any, everywhere as like a CEO or a CMO or anything. You have to find the right people to drive things and trust them. But you have to put them and give them the tools. To, to work with this in a way that people appreciate and the way we, way, the way we say we do things should be the actual way we practically do them 
which sounds obvious, but it's quite often not true in most companies going through a high level of growth. And I think that sets apart a little bit in that we managed to maintain this. And one way we did that was, first of all, realizing that we needed a lot of systems to be able to help the, the people organization grow. Uh, first of all, like marketing tools to help marketers actually be able to scale with the task and not like tr- collide on the same type of influence that you want to work with, et cetera. But also like HR systems and recruitment systems where you have to invest in basically um, solve the problem before before it hits you. And, and I think that's something we did really, really well. Well, I mean, I guess you must have done. Otherwise, I don't think you'd still be around with that level of growth if the, if the people part hadn't been managed. But but let's let's double down into the the IT side of things because obviously there was there was that decision was made that let's do it in house, let's start building the team and make it happen. Once that's up and running, you know, maybe a couple of years in, the pace at which things change in the e-commerce space. I mean, you know, you've got the pressure from the marketing team wanting to test this and that. You've got the pressure from the UX team wanting to test X, Y, and Z. You've got um, someone in another country going, there's this marketplace we've got to integrate to. And then you've got the whole payment methods changing or GDPR comes in or, or these legal things that happen as well. How do you keep on top of that day-to-day change that has to happen? Well, I mean, the secret really is in, in making sure everybody cares about the customer, right? If, if everybody understands why you're doing something, they will be so much more appreciative and understanding when things come in that might disrupt their everyday work. You know, if someone wants to put facial recognition in the store to be able to track our customers. Well, that might not be the best advice thing to do in, in, in most of our markets. And, and can we even use that information? And when you connect people from legal uh, through finance, retail, um, you go through BI. I mean, is this data even like, uh, hand, can we handle this data in our systems, et cetera? Uh, that's where you can make the right choice before you commit too much to something. And is that we, we focus like in, in the development part of this, we focus on the teams being as connected to the business and, and customer as possible, which means there's not, you don't have to go through three layers of people, you're like your boss and your boss boss, to be able to talk to legal. You can directly go there and talk to them and you can have your problem and you can discuss it, you know, etc. And vice versa, if someone from another stronghold or office want to talk about something, it's very easily accessible through chat or email or yeah, anything really. And I suppose the the focus on the customers and that fluid structure within the business means that the prioritization of tasks, you know, what what are we going to work on first becomes a bit of a no-brainer. It becomes very easy for everyone to agree because you're probably going to get down to one or two things which are probably going to make the biggest difference distant difference even for the customer. Does that does it help speed things up because there's that clear values, that clear culture? Uh, yes, I mean in theory it, it should solve everything. <laughs> in practice, it doesn't, of course, but it helps a lot. It really does. I think that we can also identify many areas where there are challenges still you can also see a very strong correlation to that they are far away from the customer. Or if you take an interview of people in, in, in those domains, you can figure out that they actually don't really understand what a customer is or perhaps where the, where the company is going. So we feel like I have enough proof that this is where we, we should, should invest in and improve things. And we think this is going to solve most of those kind of challenges. But in reality, uh, there are always setbacks. <laughs> on the just and I know that one of the projects you've been working on recently is on that that nightmare for everyone at the moment which is improving page speed which is 
you know, kind of one of those those huge things that Google have laid down. Well, quite rightly, because it's better for everybody if pages load faster. Um, have you got a couple of tips or things you've learned from this project you could share with the audience? Yeah, we've done, we done actually a couple of really cool things. And speed for us is a very fun topic. People smile when we talk about it. Um, we actually started, it was Google who kind of got started with this one. We, we had a, um, uh, a case project with them. We started working on, on speed. And uh, we were trying to drive that to increase our sales, etc. And it was a really amazing job. And Google is an amazing company. We used, of course, all the tools, and, and that was a cool product. But what we realized is that they, they, the way they wanted to improve our speed was not necessarily the same way we wanted to improve our speed. Why? So we tried to change that conversation, and we're trying to find ways of, of saying, why should we increase speed, and how much is it worth? And, and since we have like this UX department and we have speed specialists and the application teams, they, they start collaborating on this. And what we, we decided to do, and I think this is something we could recommend other, other companies do, is look at the alternative costs. So what I mean with that is how much you spend on marketing, how much of that of your body is in marketing. And if you look then at your drop-off rate at, at like first page load or second page or something like that, you can look at how, 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 how much can you lessen that drop-off by investing in speed. And in our case, for example, we, we looked back at our marketing uh, expenses with quite considerable. And we saw if we could get down from 20-second load speed on 3G to 5 seconds, and we actually measured this, we would get about 8% more value from our marketing investment. God, that's huge. That is Huge. Yes, it is huge. <laughs> and it's, it's not even that crazy things we're doing. Most of the, of the improvements getting it down from, say, 20 to 10 was just the low-hanging fruit. Like, you make sure you have the, the image loaded at a certain point and make sure it's not too big, etc. Uh, don't load all the heavy JavaScript in the beginning, etc. Et and then we got it down to, we have, a, like, now a page load speed on 3G. First, good screen. We might mean that when you actually feel like you're on the page, is 2.5 seconds on 3G. That that's uh, that that's that's we're pretty happy with that. We're pretty proud of that, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned there about that first screen you see rather than the full page load speed. Do you do you think that's the one to focus on the actual customer experience, or to focus on the the technical hard and fast? Everything's there. So we, we look at two different um, metrics, which I'm, we think are important to customers. And except for like first good screen, we look at the uh, visual complete, where everything on the page where you actually load it is completely uh, loaded and nothing will change. And our, our visual complete load time is about 3.5 seconds on 3G. The other one we have is, is time to interaction. When can you start interacting with the page in the way you want? That's a really tough one. People interact with the page in different ways. Um, but that's kind of what we, we look at things. And we were looking for about 3.5 to 4 seconds on that as well. So that's kind of what, we, what we're chasing. And which one does Google care about? Or does anyone know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but they, they look at more of a technical number when they try to like, when, when is all the image loaded? When is uh, all the scripts loaded? Uh, when is the pre-script loaded? Um, about the fold numbers, et cetera, et cetera. Which is a good number. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you understand your customer well enough, and we invest a lot in trying to understand them, we kind of know for the majority of the customers when they will feel that the page is ready. And so we're trying to figure that number instead. And it's not as technically connected as other questions. Uh, as I said, it also depends on which market you're in. So, so in a way, you could say we're looking for like the first meaningful view for the customer where they feel that like, this is where I can do something. Kind of thing. 
E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Shipping and mailing from your desk has never been simpler. With Sempro Online from Pitney Bowes, it's just click, send and save for as low as $4.99 a month. Send envelopes, flats and packages right from your desk. And for being an e-commerce master plan listener, you'll receive a free 30-day trial to get started and a free £10 scale to ensure that you never overpay. Save time and money on mailing and shipping with SEMPRO Online. Starting at $4.99 per month, you can also qualify for special USPS rates for letters and priority mail shipping, calculate exact postage online and do it all by printing from your PC. Go to pb.com forward slash masterplan to access this special offer for a free 30-day trial plus a free £10 scale to get you started. That's pb.com slash masterplan. Experience shipping made simple with a free trial of SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. Tired of posting jobs online and running into unqualified applicants? FreeUp is your solution. FreeUp interviews thousands of e-commerce freelancers each week and only allows the top 1% into their network. From Amazon to Shopify to Facebook ads to graphic design, they've got someone perfect for the role. Sign up today at freeup.com forward slash e-commerce master plan and get a $50 credit towards your first hire. That's freeup.com forward slash e-commerce master plan and there's three E's in free up. It's time, it's time for the top tips round. Now, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. Daniel, are you ready for the top tips? Absolutely. Excellent. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? So, my recommendation would be for those people who are considering building their own IT development, right, IT, IT organization, uh, supporting commerce or trying to expand it, I would recommend those people to read The Phoenix Project. It's written by Gene Kim, Kevin Burr, and George Spafford, three really amazing uh, people from the IT industry. And it kind of, uh, it, it deals with the complexity of building an IT organization where people have to interact and make things happen, where classically speaking, those roles might not look like they are collaborating or they are in clear dependency on each other, like one supports the other. And the Phoenix product kind of tries to break down those walls and say that the only proper way of working is by, by, by truly working together. And I think it will give people who are non-technical a very good understanding into how an IT organization like that would work. And it's super easy to read. It's written like a novel, so it's a story. <laughs> it's a story with a clear beginning and a clear end. So it's, it's kind of nice to read it as well. Okay, the traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Well, I mean, if you look at marketing channel, I would say that influencer marketing is something which has gone up like crazy and people are overvaluing it or undervaluing it and depending on which market you look at, which product. But I think in, in that regard, micro-influencers, where you look at um, influencers where there are a few uh, followers, um, it's uh, relatively so much cheaper than, 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 than larger influencers that uh, it's probably worth uh, not overlooking that. Otherwise, I mean, I mean, the question is like how generate generate more traffic. And I think one of the best ways, <laughs> uh, which seems to be forgotten many times, is happy customers generate more customers. <laughs> and I, I, it feels like people seem to forget that when people look at just pure conversion rates or how much traffic you, you load in, like how do you deal with those people in, 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 in during the shopping process and even after. Uh, so I think that's one thing as well. 
The tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Uh, well, I mean, uh, yes, there, there's so many different ones. I mean, we have so many different tools we would try to use to collaborate when it comes to different things. But I think rather than that, um, looking at don't mix up the different types of communication. I mean, don't use the same tool for formal communication as used for informal communication or frequent and infrequent. I mean, chat is amazing for having a conversation, but really horrible for, for, for uh, uh, documenting it or like really sharing a message because people like will miss it in the, in, in the scrolling of the list. And email is amazing for sharing information, but really, really bad for having a conversation. So just separate your tools for what you actually want to do. Such good advice. Uh, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Uh, so th this is a tough one for me to advise on. Uh, I don't really have that much uh, relevance. I would say instead, um, if you want to increase in 100 to 1,000, make sure you can deliver in 1,000 as well. It's, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of uh, pointless to spend thousands of dollars on driving traffic, for example, or finding a new channel or, or putting this like tool up on the website if you can't actually deliver on that. Because then I mean, you'll just generate dissatisfied customers and they will not come back. They will not drive more traffic. So I think my tip there is to make sure that your organization and, and, and pipelines can actually handle a thousand before you try to get the traffic there. Excellent advice, Daniel. Thank you. That was Those were brilliant. Um, before we say goodbye, could you let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Absolutely. So our website is www.danielwellington.com and our social media is Daniel Wellington. So, so please have a look at that and, and, and follow us if you think we're doing some good um, material. Excellent. Daniel, thank you so much. It's been really interesting to dive into the world of IT and growth and hear all those great, all that great advice you've had, not least around the world of Google's page speed or page speed in general, quite frankly. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for sharing your experience with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Laura. Same. I was I love being part of this podcast. How interesting there to dive into the world of how you actually support growth that's that massive, that's that huge. And how interesting that it really boils down to two key things. Firstly, identify the problems and find the best way to fix them. So where are those weak points? In the case of Daniel Wellington, it was the, um, the outsourced e-commerce platform. And then secondly, the culture and keeping the people together and working towards the same ends, which in an e-commerce business, in my opinion, should be looking after the customer pretty, pretty much first and foremost amongst those. That's what keeps everything on track. That's what keeps everything together. Even for the head of development IT, he was coming back again and again and again there to the importance of the culture, the importance of the people, the importance of the team and that shared vision. To get your hands on the notes from today's show, including the top tips, links, and details of related episodes, then head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. There you will find a link to this show. Now, Daniel was on the show today because he's a fan of the show and he was listening to well, my interview earlier this year with Matt Isherwood and heard me say on that uh, very podcast, that I was looking for guests for the podcast and I explained how to go about becoming a guest on the podcast. So 
let me explain that to you. If you're listening and you you fancy being in the hot seat and having a chat with me that gets listened to by all the listeners, then go to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. There you will find a link to become a guest. There's a little form to fill in and then I'll be getting in contact with you. Simple as that. I hope you have a great week. Keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.